Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Over the weekend, obviously, listening through a lot of Rob Zombie discography. Like, a lot of it. Like, all of it. Yeah. That happened. It's a slog. And what I've learned is that he really, really appreciates the sound of a woman climaxing and really likes to put it in as many songs as humanly possible. Because Rob Zombie wants you to know he fucks. How are you going to know... That Rob Zombie fucks. <laughs> unless unless women climaxing in every other song. Unless you hear all the women climaxing in all of his songs. How how are you going to climax? <laughs> how am I going to climax? If you don't hear other women obviously getting plowed by Rob Zombie <laughs> in his songs. Or like by Frankenstein. I don't actually know who who is, is plowing these women. Is Dragula plowing them? The car is plowing the women the now. Car, the car just has a plow on it yeah. and just scoops them up. <laughs> puts them somewhere else. Noises and that's what gets up. them off. That's what gets yeah, them off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the actual just, plow. They're on all the just front zombie track. women. Zombie women getting off to <laughs> plow on Dragula. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Rob Zombie's plowing service. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, oh. From uh, mid-October through mid-April. Yeah. Only. Only. That's... We do not do this during the summer. Summer this is months, not a he summer. has to make shitty movies. So, yeah. Winter only is his plowing service. Funny you say that. He really does have a schedule for all this. Of course he Including does. his plowing service. <laughs> but I'll get to that. Yeah. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> We're talking about Rob Zombie and all the plowing he does. So. We're your weekly podcast, bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. And yes, this week, your sweet treat, or perhaps trick, is us <laughs> talking about a Mr. Rob Zombie. It's a trick. It's, it's a, a trap. trap. 
It's a trip. It is. We are Admiral Akbaring the shit out of you right now. Sorry. You're you, welcome. Do you have another hour of this? <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be bad puns. Bad spooky puns all yep. night. That's yep. all it is. Yep. Yeah. We're your hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. <laughs> and we're bringing you bad puns. We're bringing you decent beers. And we're going to bring you as many facts as we can about this spooky man because it's still Spooptober. And all of his maintenance... That he likes to do, I guess. <laughs> just, just talking about his maintenance. Just talking about him plowing women. Yeah. Actually, he he doesn't have a very interesting plowing. He's interesting in that he is nothing like the person that he portrays. I think that's all done on purpose. Oh, yeah, it is. All done on purpose. But I still don't find him to be disingenuine either. Disingenuous? Yeah. Disingenuous. Yes, that is correct. That's the word. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't see him as somebody who is Like, he's being into fake. what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, no, he's into what he's doing. But I also don't think he wears that mask 24-7. Yeah. I also don't think he gives a fuck and he doesn't care about other people knowing he doesn't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. No, that man doesn't. The fucks which, that he gives are non-existent. Which kind of makes me think, well, you're a fucking douchebag, but also kind of respect you. I yeah, you know what? I think that's a fair assessment yeah. of Rob Zombie. And I think that he would say that's a fair assessment of who he is. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think he'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I see you. I see you, Rob Zombie. I see you, Rob Zombie. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, we're, we're here for it, I guess. No, I I am here for it. Mm. I am. I mean, Dragula alone. <laughs> He's made my Halloween for the rest of my life with Dragula. <laughs> Cannot tell you how many times I've listened to that this month. On repeat. On repeat. We are almost done with October, unfortunately. But I have definitely listened to that song way too many times because I fucking love I'm it. I'm surprised Spotify isn't recommending all of the covers of Dragula to you. It's given me at least two. Oh. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. You did show me the one that one like acoustic. I think it's Lissy. Whispery her name? lady. I kind piano. of like it. No, I can't. I can't with that song. Yeah. It's really bad. But I'm st- I, st- I like bad music. Of all the songs in this world that you could take, like, hard rock metal songs or whatever that you could take and make them into this whispery kind of hipster girl in her piano Tori Amos kind of thing, mm-hmm. it's not that one. Yeah, she should have done it to more human than human. <laughs> Clearly. No, he should have. Like, for oh real. God. That would have sounded really good. That would have translated much better than Dragula. I'm 90% sure the artist's name is Lissy. So, uh, Lissy, hitting you up. Do yeah. more human than human. Yeah. And we'll call it a spade a spade and it's all even Stevens. Yeah. I'm just saying phrases now. Brass tacks and... Brass tacks and, and uh... bones to pick. <laughs> yup. Feathers to ruffle. Ooh. Beers to drink. That, sure. I'm drinking a beer. Uh, drinking beers, beers, beers. We are this week for the episode... I was going to try to find a zombie beer. There's only one zombie-themed beerish beverage that I could find, which is Zombie Killer, which is a good cider, but it's also 20 fucking dollars and for a tiny bottle. It's also a cider, and I'm not here for that right I, now. I, I can be here for a cider, but I have to be in a cider mood. But I, I can't drink it. It makes me sick. That's fair. Oh, can't. it has definitely made me sick. <laughs> we won't dive into that fucking story. However... So this week, in lieu of that, I found a beer from Left Hand Brewing, which never steers us wrong, though. Like, 
Let's be honest. I mean, like, I would not say it has ever steered us wrong. Maybe I, steered us, everything like... Everything else that I have had from them has been very good. And I would say this is, like, if this, this is... is the worst that they can come up with, still not bad. Yeah. Still here for it. But it is called White Russian. It is a stout with coffee and vanilla added. Also in nitro, so whenever we open the cans, I scare myself because I forget that nitros <laughs> make that hiss noise when you open them. It's kind of a growly, scary sound. So maybe, Which I guess works for Halloween. Wait, maybe when I open my next one, then put it in the microphone. And Just so you guys hear. can hear it. Yeah, it's, it's scary. Uh, and it's white because it's a white Russian. Which I think that's it's, fucking with me is, more than anything. It's a white stout, which is so fucking weird to me. It's fine. Like, I, I actually, as I drink it, too, I'm like, this is fine. It's okay. It's, I, I think th- it's, Out of everything I've had from Left Hand, not what I would reach for. No. I think it's a bit grassier than their other stouts, than other stouts I've had. But it's it's not bad. But no. yeah, like if it was on a menu and I had other choices, I would consider the other choices first. Yeah. I mean, you still grabbed the second one, so it's not that bad. Yeah. We've definitely not grabbed the second one of a few this year, so. Well, also it's 8% we're talking about Rob Zombie, so I kind of need it. She does need it. It's a lot. <laughs> I need to somewhat have my facilities with me while I talk about a home dog. Yeah, you got to read. I got to read. I got to read these notes about Mr. Zombie. So with all of the usual bullshit out of the way let's get into the story of mr rob zombie indeed Mm, yes this guy eats breathes and lives the spooky life he sings songs of the dead committing acts of violence and sexual deviance and he makes horror films with an exploitative feel trying to shock viewers with excessive blood and gore in some ways his film career may have overshadowed that of his musical career however his influence on modern rock shouldn't be overlooked infusing bits of electronica into his songs, but still managing to keep that really hard sound. Mm. So he never goes full industrial, never goes full hard rock. He's really always dancing that line. His entire life seems to have taken him down this obvious path, even from childhood. It seems as this outcome was inevitable. But no, his name is not Rob Zombie. Aww. He was born Robert Bartley Cummings. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Robert Bartley Cummings. Robert Bartley Cum- Cummings. What can say I say Cummings? I think it's probably because I'm a prude. It's probably because I'm a prude. We're such prudes. We can't say Cumming. Cummings. Cumin. Cumin. It's Cummings. But he was born on January 12th, 1965, making him a Capricorn. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> Wait, what was his date of birth? Janu- er, January 12th. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. He was born in the exciting town of Haverhill, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Rob was pretty much set up to reject conformity from an early age. He's not down with the mass holes. No. The Chasimusitsons. Chasimusits mass holes. No. He never had an interest in school. He said he couldn't sit still, didn't want to focus. He spent his time consuming as much media as he could, grabbing the weekly TV guide and planning out his week by seeing how many movies he was able to watch. Because remember back when you got TV guides and you'd be like... Well, this movie is on Tuesday, and this movie is on Wednesday. Am I the only one who did that? Oh, no. I totally did. We would get the newspaper, and the TV guy would be in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you would look at it, and have it would have every channel yep. laid out. Like, all, all 12 channels. All 12 channels. Well, we had 13. Oh, that's true. We, we had graduated. that PBS channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that always just had, like, mystery on it, and I hated that movie show. It was like a movie show, and they showed, like, a different mystery movie every week. 
And it was yeah, always or British. Like, or like Faulty Towers or something. Oh, that's tr- always. Oh, Black Adder. And Black Adder, yes. God. Yep, that was our weeks, though. Yeah. Before there was Netflix, kids. <laughs> we had to get newspapers to figure out what was on TV. <laughs> All week. All week. We couldn't just go on Facebook and, you know and be what? like, what's playing on NBC tonight? And we didn't have choices. Oh, no. No, we did not. Nope. And usually our parents said, you can't fucking watch that. I'm watching my football game. Oh, it was always that. Yeah. yeah. It was usually that one. And just like every musician we've talked about this month. His love for music and theatrics came from when he discovered who else but Alice Cooper when he was a child. Everybody this month except for Robert Johnson because that doesn't work. (laughs) Unless Robert Johnson was also a time traveler and that explains that year he was gone and nobody knew where he was. Oh my god, we figured it out. (gasps) He hung out with Alice Cooper. He didn't sell a soul with devil. He just hung out with Alice Cooper. And that's how he got to be a really great guitar player. That's awesome. Guys. I like this. This is this is our conspiracy. This is my canon. Yeah, this is. I'm here for it. (laughs) Rob found this macabre entertainment fascinating, which isn't a surprise when you discover that his parents worked at a carnival when he was a child. Well, geez, you don't say. Yeah, right. It was the family business on his mother's side of the family. It began as a circus years and years and years ago. But as we got into the 70s, it turned more into a carnival with rides as, and games as opposed to center ring with shows. So, like, a traveling carnival or just, like... It was a traveling circus, and then they kind of planted themselves in Massachusetts at a certain point because then it just... That traveling circus wasn't a thing anymore. Yeah. You just got to the point where it's like, I just want rides and rigged games. God damn it. <laughs> Take my money. Rob talked about how he and his brother Michael would get dragged to help his parents at work. But they'd see the inner workings of this world, how the machines worked, and studying the aesthetics of the carnival show business. They would even learn how all the games were rigged so they could help out when needed. (laughs) Sometimes they would be asked to carry around the big stuffed animals to make it look like they won it. (laughs) Yeah. That's cute. Isn't that adorable? I mean, like, fucked up when you're like, but now I know. Yeah. But like, yeah. But now when you walk around, like, Great Escape or any kind of theme park or some shit like that... You know that shit is rigged. Yeah. That, she didn't win that. She's somebody's kid. You see some basic douche walking around with a giant teddy bear. That's somebody's kid. As Walking down their giant teddy bear in one hand and their bee... The bee, BLs? No, the the giant lemonade that's just covered in bees. Oh. <laughs> Beemonade? Beemonade. <laughs> oh. Yeah, fuck that lemonade. It's like $12 for a jug of sugar water dyed It's just yellow. sugar water, and you will never get rid of the bees. That's the real fucking rig up at the carnival. I think that's really what they put in that that head cage that Nicolas Cage was in <laughs> was in Wicker Man. lemonade they just, the carnival. They just dumped lemonade from Six Flags on it. Is that it? Six Flags lemonade? <laughs> oh, the oh, bees! The bees! Oh, God, they're not even bees. They're just hornets and wasps. <laughs> oh. Rob and Michael would play around in the haunted house, finding it as a source of fun while customers were going in paying to get scared. And it wasn't just Rob who was clearly influenced by his time spent as a carny. Michael also came out of this world with ideas of the supernatural that were applied to his artistry. Oh, boy. Because you may or may not know this, but Rob's little brother would grow up to become Spider-One, founder and lead singer of the sci-fi-based band Power Man 5000. Because you know what? 
This uh, is what it's like when worlds collide. Are you ready to go? Cause I'm ready to go. What you gonna do? Baby, baby. <laughs> like, try to sing that song with a straight face. You can't. You can't. And try not to make the, the noise. You went to... <laughs> the barking noise yeah. that Spider-One makes. Who names themselves Spider-One? At least Rob Zombie had the decency to call himself Rob Zombie. <laughs> At least that's cool. I'm not gonna lie, though. I've listened to later Power Man 5000 that came out a few years ago, and I'm like, this isn't bad. I mean, I liked Power Man 5000 a lot when I was yeah, in high school. I mean, like, they for hold better up or worse, in I did. In the, in the they nostalgia, have nostalgia bucks for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> worth more than Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Someti- Honestly, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. The carnival life was short-lived for the Cummings, though. Their parents decided to stop doing it after there was a riot one night where people were running around with guns and weapons. No, that'll make you want to get out of the business. Oh, yeah. Like, they started setting things. I think just a fire accidentally started, but it made everybody else want to start fires everywhere else. Cool. And it was crazy. Everybody has a tiny arsonist inside of them. They do. And when you see a fire, you're like, all right, let's go. Now's my time. This is my time to shine. I can do this and I can get away with it. No one will ever know. Well, they took this as a sign that the days of carnivals were over. Even though they would end up with some musically talented children, Rob's parents didn't really raise him in a musical household. He got his first guitar when he was in elementary school, and when he got a little older, he started a band with a few friends, but they were mostly messing around, not taking it too seriously, and it wouldn't actually be until his adulthood that a legit band would be formed. That's like when you're, like... 14 and you really like Nirvana or yep. something and you you and your three other friends are like let's start a band even though we don't know how to play any instruments. Like, I like I'm the guitarist. I'm going to be the guitarist. No, I want to be the guitarist. Nobody can play guitar. And then everyone's like I want to be the lead singer. No, I want to be the lead Nobody singer. Nobody can sing nope. either. No. Nope. <laughs> Nobody can do anything. Meanwhile, drum and bass is like, well, I already take drum lessons, so I'll just be like, the drummer. Like, the extent of our musical talent is playing hot cross buns on a recorder. <laughs> none of us can do Guys, any none of, of that. Can do this. Yeah. It's fine. But you really wanted to be in a band. I mean, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> good for him. Rob barely got through high school, not really caring about his classes, as his mind was always on music and movies. The thing that got him to walk across the stage was when he overloaded his schedule with art classes so he could get just enough passing grades to push him through. Remember when that could happen? Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't get that to happen. I mean. But also my, the art department in my school really fucking sucks. Yeah. There's there's very few, I feel like, that have good art departments. Yeah. After high school, he didn't see himself having any future in small town and Massachusetts. Chassamusets ain't got room for Rob Zombie. I mean, it doesn't, though. He decided his best option would be waiting for him in New York City. So he attended the Parsons School of Design to continue working on art. But that really, like, fizzled out. He never graduated. He was like, fuck this, too. He could have been on fucking Project Runway. He could have. He could have. Oh, my God. Rob Zombie, make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Make it work, zombies. Like, a whole cast is just zombie designers. Just all of these people, like, getting catty with each other and being really reality TV extra. Yep. And he's just like, what the fuck? How did I get get here? here? I just want to make a fucking goth dress. Can I do that? (laughs) Fuck this. I'm just making zombie skin. Fuck this. (laughs) Every dress made out of zombie skin. (laughs) Woof. 
Here he began a relationship with Sean Yusalt, who had been playing keyboard in a band, but by the, her junior year, it had dissolved. So she and Rob decided that they should start their own band together. They recruited friends and roommates to start the noise band Rob, or I'm sorry, White Zombie. Noise band. They were a noise band. Noise band was like this kind of genre that's in between a punk meets a hardcore, just meets like some hard rock. But now it's, it's, noise. Just, it's just noise. It's really just noise. This band would see a fairly consistent rotating door of players throughout its existence. I'm not getting to every single fucking person in this band. I will be here forever. Just go to that Wikipedia page. That's just bananas. Yeah. As he was always inspired by the world of horror, Rob wanted to name the band after the 1932 horror film of the same name starring Bella Lugosi. Hmm. He also felt that Robert Cummings was not going to cut it as far as the stage name. <laughs> so he called himself Rob Straker for a minute. Straker? Yep. Where did that come from? I don't know. Probably thought it was badass. But that was only for a few years until he decided zombie was going to be even more appropriate. And in 1996, he has legally changed his name to Rob Zombie. Wow. So he really committed. Oh, good, good for, for him. him. You want to hear this sweet growl from this can? Yeah, I do. terrifying every time <laughs> i just think something's gonna pop out of it in 1985 we saw white zombies first release with the ep gods on voodoo moon i always forget that white zombie started out so fucking early same though i thought maybe 89 i was like shit 85 damn it i for some reason associate them solidly with the mid 90s yeah. i don't know why because they really only got they didn't get big until the mid 90s i guess they released the EP on their own label, Silent Explosion. And kudos to being DIY as fuck, but it unfortunately did nothing to move the masses. But that didn't stop the band from touring the following year and even landing some gigs at famed CBGBs. Oh, good mm. for them. While it was still alive and, and open. And being, being pretty good there, yeah. Seeing as how they weren't really lighting up the charts with their music, they were just going to have to hold on to their day jobs. And at the time, Rob was working for a production company that took on a new project, a show called Pee-wee's Playhouse, <laughs> where Rob was an assistant, oh, a production man. assistant. So did the credits actually say Rob Zombie on them? Oh, they probably said Robert Cummings at the time. That's Maybe hilarious. Rob Straker. You know, I didn't Rob look that up. Rob Straker. I should have looked that up. It only lasted one year before they moved from New York City to LA, leaving Rob looking for a job again. Luckily, he had a chance to put his graphic skills to good use, working for a porno magazine. Cool. <laughs> just making sure all the images fell properly on the page, you know, just straight and not cut off, making sure there are no staples through vaginas and because titties. Because that is what people are really looking for, is how straight the pictures no, are. I think they are, though. <laughs> I'm willing to bet they're like, yo, this, this snatch is a little crooked. It could be more straight. Hmm. <laughs> It would be the last day job he would ever hold, though. In 1988, they released their debut full-length album, Soul Crusher. It would be the only one released on their indie label, as they would sign with Caroline Records not long after that. And it was with this label that they had their sophomore release, Make Them Die Slowly, and where we would get a big shift in the band sound. They were being heavily influenced by bands like Metallica and Slayer, and wanted to consciously, sh consciously shift from the punk hardcore noise into that thrash, heavy metal, hard rock sound. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, if you listen to all... Oh, <laughs> early white zombie. 
I couldn't really get into it. I'm not going to lie. The the White Zombie albums, I really skimmed through because it's not like it's really great. It's, yeah. I mean, and no, no, you know, not to besmirch anyone who's a White Zombie fan. I mean, everybody's got their niche. But yeah, no, not great. Yeah, I haven't listened to a whole lot of White Zombie, but... The singles are great. Yeah, but... And that's all you really need to hear. But if the singles are indicative of what is on the album as a whole, I can't do a solid, like, 35 minutes of that. Oh. I can't. Oh, I wish the singles were indicative of what's on those albums. <laughs> oh, no. That's the best of the best. <sighs> oh, I'm going to have White Zombie fans roll mad at me. I'm kind of sorry. Well, they did gain the attention of Iggy Pop, who suggested they work with Bill Laswell at Platinum Island Studio. The band hated the end result, feeling that he didn't know how to give them a clear sound, and the whole thing just came across sounding muffled. Well, but isn't that, like, the thing? Yeah, but, like, I think it was just, like, not... It didn't sound... It was too muddy? Yeah. It wasn't, like... like... It wasn't clear. You couldn't exactly tell what you were listening to. Okay. And I mean, it's good. It's not great. Early, yeah. early white zombie, not great. <laughs> it shows. Proof's in the pudding. So it should be no surprise this album wasn't loved by critics, but many now look upon it in a bit more favor as they can see it was the blueprint for their later sound. Mm-hmm. In the early 90s, Rob and Sean would eventually break up, but continue to work together just fine. It was also- Wait, they were dating? Yeah, yeah. Sean was the- what, the chick yeah. he started dating in college and they started White Zombie together. Sean oh. and Rob are the only two members of White Zombie that were consistent throughout right. all of the years. I didn't realize they were dating. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They were boning for a few years. So when they broke up, though, it was fine. The band kept going. And it was also around this time that Rob met and began dating aspiring voice actress Sherry Moon. White Zombie had been on the lookout for a new label. But they weren't having any luck. It wasn't until a representative of Geffen Records heard their God of Thunder EP and also caught a live show that someone actually decided, you know what? I'm here for what you're offering, my friend. Hmm. In 92, they released their third album, La Sexorcisto, Devil Music, Volume 1. If you think this is going to be the craziest name you're going to hear for an album. Oh, no. It's not. It's not. This was the easier one. And included the singles Thunder Kiss 65 and Black Sunshine, which also starred Iggy Pop in it. Mm -hmm. They began to receive some notoriety with radio play, but it would be a dumb little show on MTV that would really put this band on the map. Which dumb show on MTV? (laughs) The music video for Thunder Kiss 65 made an appearance on Beavis and Butthead. Of course. (laughs) Making it a staple on the channel after that. And just a note. Oh my god, first of all, I looked this clip up. <laughs> um, this video, the dreads on Rob Zombie are criminal. Oh, I'm sure. Like he should have been all, arrested. Didn't they all have dreads? Yep, and they all should have been arrested. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. It is I would say the lowest point of white people dreads that I have seen in my entire life. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, white people dreads are not good, but also it's kind of interesting how many videos went on to become MTV staples after they made an appearance on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. It's and it's weird. I feel like it always was the videos that Beavis and Butthead liked. Because they would have a, plenty of videos on there that Beavis and Butthead would be like, this fucking sucks. Oh, fucking yeah. Hate this. Yeah. But I, I want to say, I think 
Guar had a video that oh, started sure. getting airplay on MTV, and I think Typo Negative did too. I remember seeing when I was a kid, Groove is in the heart on Beavis yep. and Butthead, <laughs> and they were like, she's hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. They, they, hey, they are the voice of the generation. They so were the you voice, better, of, voice of the generation. Be- better but listen like, to them. That fucking show is so stupid. <laughs> oh my God. Like, just to watch a few clips, I was like, this is the dumbest shit. But, and I kind of needed those, like, dumb laughs, yeah. though. But we also got Daria and King of the Hill from it, so. Oh, no. Oh, I don't besmirch Beavis and Butthead at, at all. all. Like, they were, and I loved the movie. The movie was <laughs> yeah. so dumb. Like, that's the thing. Like, sometimes you need that really stupid, dumb comedy show. Yeah. And that's what Beavis and Butthead were. And they were music, so it was kind of great. Yeah. And the best was at the end of the video. They're just like, I think, I don't even remember what exactly was on the screen, but they're watching the video, and at one point, Butthead's just like, huh, Herman Munster's cool. <laughs> I was like, I think I, I think I peed my pants laughing at that point, because it's so stupid. My judge is a goddamn genius. He is. Like, we should give him more credit. He also did I- Idiocracy, Yes, right? he did. Yeah. He predicted everything that is happening right now. Cheers, Mike Judge. Cheers to you, but also why? Fuck you. Why? But also why fuck you, you why? <laughs> Thunderkiss 65 was actually released as a single three times before it gained any real popularity, which I was like, you can't release a single Ooh. three times? Oh, they're trying. They It worked. Third time's the lady. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but by the end, it would be nominated for a Grammy for Best Metal Performance. Well, good for them. Did they lose to Jethro Tull? Didn't we all? Didn't we all? We all lost to Jethro Tull. Which, side story, the guy at the beverage mart yesterday was playing Jethro Tull and thought he was real cool. He's trying to- This kid- I think I had 10 years on this kid. He was trying to impress somebody, and then you walked in, and you're like, oh, sweetie. Oh, muffin. Oh. Not gonna happen. Mm. Mm. From there, White Zombie was becoming a well-known name in the hard rock metal world. They were touring for the new album with bands like Pantera, Danzig, and Anthrax. They even toured with our favorite, Monster Magnet. Oh, boy. Ashley loves Monster Maggot. Magnet. <laughs> every time. Every no, time I call it no, Monster, Monster, Monster Maggot. It's Monster Maggot. I just, it's the most Freudian slip I can yeah, have. Yeah, but like, side story. And in, in, a former English teacher at my podunk little school was the sister of, I think, the guitarist of Monster Magnet. and uh, That's your town's claim to fame. I guess. Home of the guitarist of Monster Magnet. <laughs> Apostrophe S. Sister. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so they went back to the studio after touring for a couple years to create their next studio album, Astro Creep 2000, Songs of Love, Destruction, and Other Synthetic Delusions of the Electric Head. Does everything have to have a subtitle? Oh, honey. Yup. Why? Everything. It doesn't have to have oh, a subtitle. don't worry. They all just become titles after this. <laughs> okay. They released it in 1995, and it was seen as a full departure from their original noise sound and solely into hard rock with hints of grooving bass and industrial spiced in there here and there. Industrial. Industrial. Industrial spice. I like that. <laughs> industrial spice. <laughs> Astro Creep 2000 included the hit single, More Human Than Human. You have to say it like that. <laughs> You're legally obligated. More human than human. Yes, there exactly. You go. Did it was you do it ba- right? 
Yes, did that's it right. perfect. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's based on the Philip K. Dick novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Did you laugh because I said dick? Yeah. <laughs> this is Philip K. Dick! What? Is it the way I said dick? I is it said, you said it was such, like, affirmation. Yeah, it was dick. like you had oomph with that dick. <laughs> no, I've always got oomph with the dick, Ashley. Please. I'm not as prude as some may believe me to be. Yeah. Or if you don't know the book, do Android Stream of Electric Sheep. Also, the film Blade Runner. And this was the first time Rob directed a music video on his own. He took clips of the band playing in a room that were all sped up and just kind of like funky looking. And I think they had like some weird strobe light action going on. And they interspersed them with home video footage from his childhood. He won an MTV Music Video Award for it and undoubtedly rekindled his desire to create films again. When he was a kid, he would make a lot of films with his brother and, like, some cousins and friends. Mm-hmm. You know, fuck around with the camera. Yeah. But, you know, you're just kids fucking around with the camera. We've all done that. We, my family didn't have a camera? Oh, my dad got a camera and never used it, so I used it. We, <laughs> my... made, a bl- we made a really bad Blair Witch ripoff. Oh, I, of course. If you have a... If you were in high your... school in the '90s and you get a camcorder, and you, you and you didn't do a Blair Witch ripoff, then who are you? Up. You fucked up. Then are you a teenager in the '90s? No, I don't think so. No, you're a liar. That's what you <laughs> you're are. A fucking liar. <laughs> White Zombie released a remix album in '96 called "Super Sexy Swingin' Sounds," but by this time, everyone seemed to be branching off into new projects. Rob, wor- Rob worked with Alice Cooper on the song Hands of Death, Burn Baby Burn for the X-Files soundtrack. Oh. Keys in the song of X. <laughs> We've talked about this before, I believe. Oh, indeed. Well, on our Enya episode, I'm yes, pretty sure. And we'll probably talk about it again. Because mm-hmm. it's a pretty banger of a soundtrack. Not going to argue with that. Right? Soon after this, Rob saw the opportunity to create some solo work. And it seemed the most logical next step for him. White Zombie kind of seemed to hit its zenith with popularity, and it didn't really look like there was anywhere else to go but down. By 1998, we would see the official disbandment of White Zombie. Rob said that the band had run its course, and instead of continuing to work work together and make shitty records, it made more sense to go out on a high note. Which, yeah, probably. And in interviews, he had mentioned, like, it was an amicable split, but at the same time... He, I don't think, was getting along with the rest of the band as much as they used to. Yeah. I guess they would take different tour buses. But sometimes I do think he exaggerates. I don't know how... Sometimes I do watch him in interviews and I'm like, he might not be exaggerating, but he could be exaggerating. Sometimes I listen to him and I'm like, are you telling the truth or not? I can't tell. Is this a thing? Are you doing a thing? Or are you... Not doing a thing. You drunk right now? Which good for you. I mean, you if you're what? on Letterman, just be drunk. You know what? Live your best life. Honestly, do it. But now that Rob was going alone, was he gonna be hitting a high note on his own, or was he gonna flop as a solo act? Yeah, sure, he was a big moving part of White Zombie, but he did have the support of his bandmate bandmates behind him. So what would happen without having that support? Well, you're just going to have to wait till after the commercial break to find out how that goes, because I need more beer. Neener, neener. <laughs> what a dick bag move. <laughs> All 
And we back. Hi. Welcome back. Did you guys get some beers? Did you enjoy yourself? Did you hear that gross blah when you opened yours? No? No. Well, you didn't get the right beer then, apparently. No. Your beer is not more human than human. Ours apparently Excuse me, is. it's more human than I'm human. I'm sorry, I'm getting, now I'm going to get sued. <laughs> Legal obligations. Well, back to the story at hand. The year is 1998. The kids are clamoring for something new. The Y2K's coming. And everybody's coming ready. Hard. <laughs> we are not ready for it. We thought we were, and then we're like, wait, it's going to revert back to 1900s. Guys, we don't solely rely on computers yet. It's fine. You know what? Whatever. It's fine. Mass chaos. Yep. Acid rain. Dogs and cats living, living together. together. <laughs> yep. Also, around this time, we welcome the worlds of both new metal and shock rock. <sighs> shock rock, I will say, has always been a thing. Don't come for me. But it, it really had a resurgence in the late 90s, early 2000s. But, like, I'm tired of bringing up new metal. <laughs> Guess what? It's October, and all we talk about is new metal. I'm tired of it. Yeah, well. I'm tired of thinking about Limp Bizkit and wanting to know what Fred Durst is up to. (laughs) Have you figured it out yet? Yeah, he just made a movie with John Travolta, and it's horrendous. Oh, you don't say. But I really want to see it. Oh, yeah. I want to laugh at that. Oh, yeah. Real hard. Yeah. Uh, And look, I'm not saying Rob Zombie is new metal, but again, I spent an entire weekend listening to his discography. He dabbles. There are a couple songs where I'm like, you're kind of white boy rapping with like some really heavy guitars. Yeah, that's like, kind of the basis of new metal. He so. dabbles. I'm not going to ever say he is new metal, but he dabbles. Okay. He is shock rock, though. I would, I would categorize him. Yeah. Also, climax sounds? Ugh. Show's shocking. It's so shocking. We're going to talk about murder and then a woman's going to moan for five minutes. Hey, you know who did that before this guy? Everybody else? Typo negative. Yeah. God, and you was... know who I would fuck over Rob Zavi? Peter Steele. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I still touch myself thinking about him. Yeah. God, I miss that man. <laughs> <laughs> I never got to know. <laughs> um, But also they like use tracks with, you know female moaning sounds but they were actually having sex in the recording oh, studio that's right so fuck you rob he zombie. just took sounds from pornos <sighs> amateur the eye roll that ashley had i hope was audible amateur is audible rob zombie had already been dabbling with all of this stuff with his band white zombie but he went really full horror themed for his debut album Hellbilly Deluxe, 13 <laughs> Tales of Cadaverous Cavorting Inside the Spook Show International. Fucking jab oh, me I, I can't. in the fucking face. I can't. I have like five more albums to tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like this. Uh, Actually, there's one that's not. There's one. Just so one. So hold out for that one. Just the one. Rob worked with Nine Inch Nails member Charlie Klauser for the production of the album he even brought white zombie drummer John Tempesta with him for most of the tracks. However, there were two that he asked Tommy Lee to play on. Tommy Lee of Motley Crue fame. For oh. those who don't know. Oh. Apparently at the time he was dealing with legal troubles that led him to be sleeping at the studio. <laughs> 
Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Oh, I could not laugh so much when I read that. But you know what? It's cool because he fucked a lot of chicks and like... Has hepsy. And has hepsy. There's no way that man like, does not have hepsy. But like everything's cool because you know the dirt makes it seem like everything's They're just, just lovable scams. They're just lovable scams and like they're just getting into shenanigans and no, they didn't harass any women. What? They didn't rape what anyone. You, it's no, fine. No. What are you talking about? No. The album was a full sensory experience. Between the music and the artwork, the themes of horror and the macabre were heavy-handed for sure. They even hired illustrator Basil Gogos, well-known for making the monster portraits on the cover of Famous Monsters of Filmland. And he created the cover of the album, the one that's like Rob Zombie looking all like a zombie. I feel like this is a period in Rob Zombie's life and career where he couldn't go out in public without like full peeling skin zombie makeup yeah he really embraced that shit this is when he really looked like he just rolled around in a crematorium for a while zombie he but like not even good zombie damn bad zombie like dude trying to look like a zombie zombie like Mm. halloween zombie Ooh, like spirit halloween store zombie so maybe a couple steps up from spirit halloween but like right not that far like haunted hayride zombie yeah like i you tried real hard like i put a a a layer of elmer's glue on my face and shoved it into a fireplace (laughs) kind of zombie that sounds so uncomfortable but is this my imagination or did he kind of look like that for a while i just bet he didn't shower for a while also that you know him and marilyn manson have a lot in common it's fine (laughs) Those dreads, though. It's the dreads. The dreads. It's, the dreads were really bad. Yeah. I don't think he uses... I don't use this. I don't think he has grown them out so much. I think he just has long hair now and it just yeah. looks dirty. Thank you. But also, I think he's going gray and he's not doing anything about it. Good. Don't. Yeah. Honestly? It looks fine. Yo, I am here for a silver fox. I am over men who don't have gray. If you don't have gray, get the fuck out. Yeah. Yo, you gray in though? How gray are you? You full silver? Hey. I'm into that salt and pepper thing. Yeah, like I'm into more of the salt and less of the pepper. <laughs> Let's just say that. Rob knew the odds were stacked against him. Most solo projects bomb, so he decided he would be happy if it even did half as well as White Zombie's work. And it turns out he did that and then some. It sold over 3 million copies worldwide and, can- and included three very popular singles. Super Beast, Living Dead Girl, and and everyone's favorite, and Dragula, dig through the ditches and burn, burn. through the witches and slam in the back of my Dragula. I'm sorry that this episode is just us singing white. This is Rob the only reason songs. why we wanted to do this. Yeah, and we just wanted to sing Dragula. You're welcome. And just to put a nail in the proverbial coffin of this song. Because I feel like we've had a lot of personal debate over this. (laughs) Rob has come out to say that he wrote this song about the drag racing car owned by Grandpa Munster from the show The Munsters called Dragula. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's it. (laughs) It's about the Munsters. It's about the Munsters. Not so... I have heard people thinking that it was just him saying Dracula wrong instead of saying Dracula. They're like, Dragula. 
Also, I've heard people that thinking that translate. It doesn't, but here we are. Also, I've heard people thinking it's about like Dracula as a drag queen. Dragula, that would be fantastic, would be but I don't. And then I was like, nah, I'm pretty sure it's about a drag racing car, yeah. which it is. But then I also added the little spice of, but he also bones witches in the back of it. Yeah. Like, it's just slam about- witches in the back of my Dragula. Like, he's fucking bitches in the back of his drag racing car. But really, he's just plowing snow from people's driveways. And <laughs> picking up women who climax as he picks them up. Yay for them. Yeah. But also, if you look at the actual picture of the Munster's Dracula car, there's no way you can fuck anyone in that car. No. It has, like, tears to it. No. It's just one... Oh, no. I'm thinking of the Adams Family yes. car. Sorry. I know. I know. It's fine. It, I, you know See, what? Don't come for me, but I'm going to say this. It's easy to fuck up the Munsters in the Adams Family. It is. Old school. Old school, yes. Yes. It should surprise no one to hear that Walmart refused to sell the album. <laughs> oh, really? Rrr, unless Walmart. an edited version <laughs> was created for them. <laughs> At first, Rob refused, but conceded because he realized that Walmart was going to be the only place for some kids to get his music. He came to the same conclusion that Nirvana did when they released In Utero. They're like, we know that there's no other way that some of the kids are going yeah. to hear this. And Kurt Cobain was like, okay, well, I was once a kid in the middle of nowhere in a small town, and the only place that I could get CDs was one store. Right. So if, I, if we want people to hear the music, we got to concede. Exactly. Rob Zombie had felt bad, and he stated, at the end of the day, it's these kids who are getting fucked. Yeah. And this they're was, not going to get like the full experience. And this was before we had Spotify, yep. before we had YouTube, before and we had a lot of those Funny things. that you bring up Nirvana, too, because apparently um, Kurt Cobain really liked White Zombie. Oh, I don't doubt it. That's cute. Yeah. Little, little synchronicities. Mm-hmm. Little friends. Little they Rob, were doing- Zombie. Rob Zombie and Kurt Cobain would have been bosom buddies. And that would have been a great comic for someone to make. Would have been interesting. Oh, like Glenn and Henry forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but who would their satanic neighbors be? Uh, Tegan and Sarah. Okay. I, I think they're too boring, but whatever. Well, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> this is what spices them up, is that they're satanists? Yes. Gotcha. Makes me like them a lot. Yeah. The album peaked at number five on Billboard 200 and solidified Rob Zombie as a successful solo artist. He eventually made a music video for each song on the album, which he would release on DVD years later. DVD. I know. It's so cute. Takes me back. The album was such a success that they released a remix album a year later, American Made Music to Strip By, which also landed on the Billboard Top 40. It just had remixes of all the songs. Then he created his own label called Zombie Agogo Records. He had a couple small bands on it, nothing huge. He was really heating up at this point and starting to crave a venture into his first love. A film. Hmm. I'm gonna dive a little bit into the film world of Mr. Zombie, but not too deep. We are not a movie podcast, so anybody looking for us to praise or slam this man's directorial career... Because apparently it is quite polarizing. Well, we can talk about that later. Yeah. This isn't the place for that. Yeah. You're not going to hear our... Like, I don't give a fuck what you think about our opinions on the movies because we aren't film critics. I mean, we arguably aren't even music critics. But really, I think we're more music critics than any of those fuckers at Rolling Stone are. We're not critics. We're just critical. And we're just telling you stories about this man's life. 
And I don't really want to delve into his... I we ha- don't need to. We have friends who could, like, off script just go on for hours about Rob you Zombie's You can talk films. to them, because I honestly don't give enough of a shit. I don't give enough of a shit. So, all right. Back in the late 90s, he was set to direct another Crow sequel, The Crow 2037... <laughs> Which actually might like have been kind of interesting. Sixth one, yeah. Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ. Okay, I could get behind that. Honestly, you know what? The Crow sequels have been so bad that I'm like, you know what? What does Rob Zombie have to bring to the table? The first Crow movie is classic. Yeah, don't fucking touch it. Don't touch it. Don't even fight us. This... We will kill you. Don't even it's a argue. Great with movie. Me. How dare you argue with me? Don't oh, argue oh. with me. Shut. Hey, hey, are you arguing? Shut with your us? mouth. Shut your mouth. Shut it. Shut up. Also, shut up because the second one's really good too. Don't give me shit. Don't give me shit about that. I won't give you shit. It's I haven't good. seen it. It's fucking good. All right. The ones that came after that, fuck off. They can fuck off straight to fucking wherever. Fucksville. Fucksville, yeah. <laughs> Fuckstown. Go to Fuckstown. I don't give a shit. Um, but yeah, no. It would have been nice if he could do that to like get the momentum going again yeah, and like I think he would have at least th- brought something interesting to the table or like just make a third one that's actually fucking good yeah and just leave it just yeah. leave it there just leave it yeah that would have been nice well he but had no. the script he had it all written and everything but the studio ultimately decided it wasn't right for the franchise and shelved it indefinitely they don't know what they're talking about yeah I mean if there's you know, anybody in this world that could probably write a really good crow sequel it's Rob Zombie there you go but whatever Guess not. Instead, he was brought on by Universal Studios, the theme park, to design a haunted attraction for the Halloween Horror Nights. And through this partnership, he was able to begin working on what would become his debut film, House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay, this makes sense. Yeah? Unfortunately, production was wrought with problems. When Universal got a good look at the film, they were taken aback with the extreme violence and gore present throughout. Did, did they know who they were working with? Like, at all? Have they heard an entire Rob Zombie album with at least five of the tracks of women climaxing? Have you looked at him? Like, just have you seen any Have you tried pictures? to read one of the album names? <laughs> have you done any research into this? Apparently not. He made an attraction for our theme park. He's going to make a movie. It'll, it'll be good for kids. Me. No. no. But they were afraid that it would receive an NC-17 rating, so they refused to release it. And after some time, Rob managed to buy the rights back to the film. And he fin- he just finished filming it by any means necessary. They just got that shit done. Well, good for him. And they sold it to Lionsgate Entertainment, who ultimately released it in 2003. Because Lionsgate will release anything. Right. Well, I mean, that's kind of their thing. And I think at that point, they were just dipping into horror. And they're like, I think this might be a thing. And honestly, it was a thing. They put their money on the right horse. I mean, it's a thing. It is a thing. Although I'm kind of like really done with like the almost snuff film level torture porn films. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of over that. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but I'm like... But just give me a little bit something else to work with because I'm not shocked by this. And also, it's gratuitous at this point. It's it's not shocking. It just makes me upset. I'm like, it's just blood and shit. But at the same time, like, the only thing else that we get half the time are PG-13 horror movies, which is... Not a horror movie. Nope. Don't even give me that shit. Mm-mm. I refuse to watch a PG-13 horror movie. Yeah. When there's no... <sighs> Just jump scares and dumb yeah. shit. Like, pff, yeah. fuck off. Get out of here. 
It's hard to find a good horror movie these days. Indeed. During this whole mess of trying to create his first film, Rob was also working on his second solo release, The Sinister Urge. Oh, there are two albums with easy names. The Sinister Urge, which was released in 2001. It keeps true to the gritty horror elements of his previous release, but this one includes some more dance-influenced beats, like with the song Never Gonna Stop. Never gonna stop, never gonna stop. It's actually kind of fun. Now you're just a Fanta commercial. That's what he wrote it for, was a Fanta commercial. Because you can't stop drinking Fanta. Can you just imagine... Rob Zombie dancing around like the Fanta girls. <laughs> yes, never going to stop. Never going to stop. That Fanta. actually sounds delightful. I want that. I want Rob Zombie to sell me Fanta. Yeah, same. Here for it. With Hellbilly Deluxe, there was a lot more electronic-based music, but for Sinister Urge, they used a lot more of a live band kind of sound. Junt Pestra came back, and there were even special guests like Ozzy Osbourne on Ironhead, and good old Carrie King of Slayer featured on Dead Girl Superstar. Cool. Yep. Because Carrie King's on everything, apparently. I good mean, for him. he'll do whatever. Yeah, he's always, it's cool to hang. Despite not having many singles, the album had become a fan favorite, with it even being voted his number one solo work by fans. How oh. Billy Deluxe apparently came in as a close second. Overall, it was well received by critics and fans alike. Good for him. Right. After this, music slowly took a back seat for Mr. Zombie. In 2002, he married Sherry Moon, his longtime girlfriend, who he's still with today and is in, like, all of his movies. Yes. She would go on, yeah, she would go on to star in most of his movies, and she has been touring with him for a very long time. She's been a dancer and choreographed many of the stage performances. Oh. So she is a woman of many talents, so good for her. As people began to interview him, they discovered how eloquent and intelligent this man of horror really was. He and Sherry are vegans, and he actually tries to refrain from too much drug or alcohol abuse. I think he dabbles, but he's not really big into getting crazy. Which is kind of funny, because you would think that, of all people, Rob Zombie would be the one who would be like, eh, I'm a heroin addict, you know? But he's not at all. He's not. Like, I think he probably drinks from time to time and probably has some bud, but other than that, like, he doesn't... Yeah, I don't think he, like, really goes too crazy. I get the impression that in the 90s he probably did a whole lot of coke, but, you know. I mean, who, who didn't? Who didn't? Third grade, I was just, like, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I Actually, so doctor much... told me I had to stop doing coke. It was going straight to my brain cavities. Yeah. Halted our puberty, man. He said I was, so I was Stevie Nixon it too hard. <laughs> yep. Eight-year-old Maggie, Stevie Nixon it so hard. In 2003, a greatest hits album of sorts was released. It includes his classics from White Zombie and his solo efforts. And it also has some absolutely terrible cover songs like Brick House and Blitzkrieg Bop. They are the fucking worst. Rob Zombie. They're the fucking worst. What are you doing? Nope. The worst. (laughs) He continued to work on movies with a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses with The Devil's Rejects. Rob also got back into his love for visual art by releasing a comic book series called Spook Show International. And he kept releasing a bunch of graphic novels. Why does everything have to be titled something so, like, 
he is, is married to this like egregiously spooktacular you know what i mean <laughs> like why he's like vincent price but not as lovable but like not even he's not even like clever or sophisticated like vincent price is he really is just like party city vincent oh price he's party city vincent price he really is which kind of makes me like him now like this and i'm not saying that as a bad thing it's just yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i guess it's not fair to compare to vincent price though is it it really isn't. They are. They're. You can't be Vincent. Nobody can be Vincent. They're Price. at the same party, but they're hanging with different people. Yes, and you like know? Vincent Price is probably hosting. Yes, and he is, and I think he is there respectfully. Yeah, I know. Like he's not like trashing Vincent's house or anything. No. He is totally he's, a respectful. Guest. He's not snorting coke off the back of Vincent Price's toilet. No, he is like I am fucking grateful to be here. Yep. And, like, he maybe just, he gets a little silly drunk, but he's fine. But he just looks like a hoot. <laughs> he does look like a... Now I want to go to this party. Can we go delightful. to this party? I'd like to go to this party. Vincent Price, come back from the dead. Have this party. Yeah. Please. We will not snort coke off the back of your toilet. I that promise. is a Rock Candy Podcast guarantee. <laughs> we will not snort coke off the back of your toilet. Not gonna do it. Unless you want us to? No, I don't want to do that. I do not cave to peer pressure, Maggie. But what if I do? Then you're getting an Uber home. Because <laughs> I am not dealing with your I'm... cocaine-laden asshole on the drive home. Not dealing with your coke bullshit. That's fair. I, w- I would definitely be a person of coke bullshit. Yes. <laughs> if I ever do coke, I am not letting you, you know. You are coming back here with your coke bullshit. <laughs> Alone. <laughs> anyway, wow. All right. 2006 saw the release of his third album, Educated Horses. See, he did have a couple that were not long titles. Educated Horses. Educated Horses. What do you think dumb horses are like? I don't know, but where did this come from? I don't know. (laughs) He brought on Marilyn Manson guitarist John Five to play and help write some of the music. It was pretty experimental for Rob Zombie, featuring a lot of acoustics and inspiration from glam rockers like Slade and T-Rex. Oh, that's pretty cool. Right? You know who else was influenced by Slade? Devin King, Townsend. Oh, I was like, King Diamond? Nope, Devin Townsend. That makes way more sense. Yeah. Uh, actually, I like this album. Yeah? It's it's not as, like, in your face, like, ooh, spooky horror bullshit. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, it feels a little more mature. And I was like, this is kind of nice and refreshing for Mob Zombie. Mature. I liked it. The next few years saw Rob primarily focusing on film. It had the releases of both Halloween remakes, which we are not getting into because that is apparently a polarizing topic that, oh, guess what? We don't give a fuck. (laughs) There was also an animated film called The Haunted World of El Superbisto and a little music with uh, one final release from the Zombiagogo records based off the band featured in Halloween 2. Okay. In 2010, he released a sequel to his debut album called Hellbilly Deluxe 2, Noble Jackals, Penny Dreadfuls, and the Systematic Dehumanization of Cool. Shut up. <laughs> he want- Shut the fuck up. He wanted to go back to the same attitude and feel of the first album. And also the same ridiculous names. He was like, my names have been way too normal. Let me go back. Educated Horses was way too sophisticated. Let me dumb it down, like, a lot. 
The systematic dehumanization of cool. Yeah, that works. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time he used his touring band to help him write and record. He had been working with them for so long that he kind of felt like it was a good working relationship and let's keep it going. Hey guys, you've been doing all this work for me for so long. Now I'm going to actually let you help me. Nice. Thanks. Ooh, thanks. thanks. Ooh, oh golly gee. Now I want you to do more work for me. Yay! But more money. Yay! You get them royalties now. Yeah, as long as your name is like on the credits. It probably is. Hopefully. I don't know. Better be. Speaking of touring, in 2012, Rob Zombie began to tour with Marilyn Manson on the Twins of Evil tour. And unsurprisingly, it's not easy to tour with Mr. Manson. He would accuse Rob of cutting his set short and threaten to kick his ass like while on stage. What? Then Rob would yell obscenities at Manson on stage. And one night sang Alice Cooper's School's Out, dedicating it to, quote, the only real shock rocker there ever was, not some punk-ass bitch. Rob Zombie said that? To, to <laughs> Marilyn Manson. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah. Rob Zombie wins that one. They, they famously feuded that whole tour. Um, but unlike other tours that Manson has been on with other alike artists, they managed to finish this tour in one piece. Oh. Yeah. And Rob went back into the studio. Manson went back on touring. Now Rob had his own label, Zodiac Swan, that he was running through Universal Music Enterprises. On this, he released two albums, Venomous Rat, Regeneration Vendor, and The Electric Warlock, Acid Witch, Satanic Orgy, Celebration Dispenser. Did he put these through, like, fucking name generators from 2010? This last one 100% is just an entire Mad Lib. This is a name generator. It's a Mad Lib. From some idiot's Angel Fire website. Yeah. It's just like, what's your Rob Zombie album name? Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean... They're they're pretty much Rob Zombie standards at this point. They're what you'd expect from yeah. albums named those names. Electric Warlock, Acid Witch, Satanic Orgy, Celebration, just, Dispenser. It makes no those sense. are just words. They're just words strung together. No matter how many times I say this, it doesn't feel like a phrase. It's just a word. He went to thesaurus.com, typed in spooky names. Spooky. <laughs> and just picked the first 10 words that came up. Acid spooky. But his music is still alive and well. I actually, to be honest, always thought his, and by this point he was way more into film, but he's still touring. He's still putting out music. Good for him. Yeah. So, I mean, music is still just as live, just as alive in his career as movies are. Yeah. And I mean, guys still making movies too. And for what it's worth, he is trying to kind of deviate from always doing horror movies. It's just that... He's kind of been pigeonholed into it, so it's really hard for him to break out of it. But he did it to himself. He did do it to himself. but And he acknowledges that, and he's happy with what he's doing. Like, he's not complaining. He's just... Because every time he does an interview, people are like, do you want to, like, not do horror? He's like, yeah, I'd love to not do horror. I'd love to do, like, a 70s detective crime movie, or, like, maybe a Western, or just anything that isn't horror. So fucking do but it. here's the thing. Every time he tries to start to, the studios always put him on some horror project instead. Ugh. <sighs> Yeah. Well, I mean, but he's he's got his niche, too, you know? Yeah. So for what it's worth. For over the past decade, Rob Zombie has been juggling mainly between film and music. 
He's made a lot of movies, and he actually tends to include songs about those films on his albums, like Lords of Salem and Michael, which is obviously about Halloween. Oh, okay. Michael Myers. <laughs> it was not obvious to me, but okay. Oh, okay. Get it now. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, whatever. There is a definite feel to his work, whether we're talking visual or audio. There's a certain style that Zombie puts in everything he does, an unsettling and voyeuristic vibe. Some have compared it to if Alice Cooper wrote songs for strip clubs, which, yeah, I could see that. All right. Whether or not you like him, there's no denying the influence Rob Zombie has had on hard rock over the years. The thunderous in-your-face music compiled with lyrics filled with tales of monsters and demons dares you to listen on. But at the end of the day, no matter how you feel about his music, it does make for a good Haunted House soundtrack now, doesn't it? Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. At least makes for a good drunken sing-along. Honestly, just with Dracula alone. And maybe exactly. more human than human. But I mean, he's he has pigeonholed. He is pigeonholed. Like, this is his life, and he needs to be okay with that. Yeah. And if he wasn't okay with it, then he a while ago he should have. Because honestly, this dude like doesn't really ever have to work again. Yeah, no, he could quit right now and yeah, be totally fine. Yeah, I think fine. he does genuinely enjoy doing this stuff. Right. But does sometimes wish he could branch outside of it. And if he didn't get some enjoyment from making horror movies, then he wouldn't do it anymore. Right. And here's the thing, too. As far as music goes, I don't think he'd ever want to venture out of this vein. Yeah. I don't see him really I mean, if that. he wanted... I mean, at best, at best, he could maybe go, like late Johnny Cash route where he goes like maybe this acoustic-y old school country. Maybe he could maybe. pull that off. I think he could pull that off in a few years, like when he's a bit older. Yeah, he would have to write a whole album like that and release it. Because and... at this point, dude's 50. Right? That's how math works. How He was born in 65? Yeah, so dude's in his 50s. And yeah, I mean like I'd say he's got another decade before it's like, all right, you can't keep doing this, though. And then again, King Diamond, Alice Cooper, you know what? I rescind that comment. Rob Zombie, do whatever the fuck you want. You're good at it. Keep it up. Here for it. Yeah, I think... That's my final thought. I think movies are his bread and butter now, though. Like, he just needs... And touring. I I think production-wise, he puts on an amazing show. I would totally go see Rob Zombie. Yeah, but I think he sh- he will probably, like, you know, phase, not phase it out, but, like, slow it down a lot. Like, maybe one tour every Touring's five years-ish. Because, like, King Diamond, and he's only touring every so often. Yeah. Taking long breaks in between. And, you know, all these guys are just doing it once in a while. Especially because if you do it once in a while, you can charge more for tickets and you can make more money. Right, right. And I mean, right now, Rob Zombie says usually what he does is makes an album, tours for a year or two, then goes and works on a film and works on that for a couple of years, then goes back and goes to movie music. So he balances back and forth between yeah. music and movies. But you're right. He might have eventually get to a point where he just focuses on film because probably a lot easier on the body to direct than it is to have to, to tour. tour. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, I, I don't begrudge any older musician who wants to take it easy so if in like five ten years he wants to take it easy you earned it yeah he's earned it he's been playing since his 20s dude's earned it it's good for you and in the meantime he still has his maintenance plowing service 
He can always fall back on that. He can always pick up those climaxing dead ladies. He he can always make them come. Because he is Robert Cummings. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he could have kept that and still made it work. I mean, wow. Oh, wow. Did not... Did not get there. Wow. You, you had to bring me there. didn't get Cummings. No. I didn't reach it. Yeah. I didn't I you, didn't. You that didn't get plowed point. by Dragula. I didn't. Apparently. I just enjoy it as a song. Yup. You did not slam in the back of his Dragula. I didn't. There's no room to slam in the back <laughs> of that Dragula. If you've seen Dragula, there's no room for slamming. Yeah. I don't even know where you would. You wouldn't. You can't. It's impossible. It's physically impossible. It's physically impossible to slam because there is no back of that Dracula. That's why he has a plow on the front of it. (laughs) We can go around in circles. This is just just a circular motion. Ha! (laughs) (laughs) Zing! Vagina jokes. We're here. We're here. We got them. Thanks for listening to Rock Candy, guys. We appreciate you. And sticking by listening to our jokes about women climaxing. Because that's all we know about. Because we're prudes. Yup. Seriously, thank you guys for listening. (laughs) We appreciate you. Love you. If you're down with what we've been doing, why don't you go ahead and scoot on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Tell us how great we are. Because we are great. I mean, I think we're pretty awesome. (laughs) And that counts for something. And then also go visit our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And over there, you can get our links to social media. We've got Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us, comment on episodes, and, you know, like, hit us up. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. We can always fix things. We like taking suggestions sometimes, too, if there's... You've been digging our new metal road. Maybe you want to uh, us to talk about Lid Biscuit. Who knows? Or, Let us know. Or we can just be like, nah. No. Nah. And I mean, if you hate everything we're doing, but you love music, why don't you go head over to a Pantheon Podcast? It's a network that we're a part of, and they are fabulous and wonderful, full of tons of fabulous podcasts, many that are different than ours, and probably way more professional. They, so, got, they got something for everybody. They got something for everybody. So go check him out. And helping them helps us. So do it. And also, if you're feeling a little bit generous, you can go on over to our Patreon and give us some of that delightful monies. And in Cash exchange, monies. we will give you some cool stuff and a bonus episode every week. And you yep. can find that on Patreon. Yeah, every month. It's every, every month. Every month. Oh, my God. Jesus. A bonus episode every week is a lot, guys. Yeah. But you can find But that. actually, the bonus episode will come out next week, so. So get on it. So get on it now, and you can get a bonus episode next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find that on patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. That's correct. You can. Indeed. So, yeah, definitely. And next week, we will be wrapping up Spooptober. Only one more left. God, this month went really Kinda quick. sad. I'm always sad because... I'm sad when Spooptober is over. Because then I get seasonal affective disorder for the next five months. But whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Looking forward to that. Hooey. Yay. But I mean, you know, tune in next week. Got a nice one final October episode. It'll be good times. Halloween for sure. Indeed. Keeping it classic for all you kids out there. But until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye. Slam in the back of my Dragula.
Hey, it's Marcus in the Darkest. And Ray Coob here. The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a podcast for the lover of rock and roll. Like many of the other Pantheon podcasts, we take a unique look at the entire rock and roll timeline in a non-traditional fashion. We look at events, we look at movements, moments, albums, tragedy, celebrations, and more. These are what make rock and roll rock and roll. And it's why the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a juggernaut waiting for exploration and discussion. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.